I'm Kelsey. I'm Cassie. And I'm Nolan from SCP Weekly. We bring you news from on-site and off-site. And we share your love for the creative community that surrounds the SCP Wiki. Join us on Tuesdays for new episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts, or on YouTube at SCP Weekly. The file you are about to hear has been thoroughly scrutinized by the Ethics Committee and approved by the O5 Council for release to trusted associates of the Foundation. This is SCP Unredacted. D-5761 was laying on the floor of his containment cell, staring up at the ceiling while trying to relax. He'd just been transferred further into the facility in an effort to keep 999 from sneaking into his cell and breaking curfew. They figured moving him was the best option. However, this mixed with an incident where D-5761 watched the two guards he had become friends with get terminated during one of the smaller containment breaches had taken its toll on his mental health once more. His exposure to 999 had helped him forget the things that he didn't get closure on and couldn't get over. Without that and his two friends, he honestly couldn't find the motivation to do anything outside partaking in the mandatory experiments the Foundation committed. Eventually, however, two Foundation staff entered his cell. One of them was his therapist, who had been assigned to him upon recruitment. Thanks go to the Ethics Committee for making psych evaluations and care mandatory on this site. She had a grave expression on her face and was carrying a small grocery bag. The other was one of the researchers, who seemed to be observing D-5761 on the floor. They hastily wrote something down on their clipboard. D-5761 hadn't really moved to stand up when they entered, out of concern that they might take that as a hostile action if he did it too quickly. So he decided even if it might be a little bit rude, he simply tilted his head a bit so that he could get a good view of them and look them mostly in the eyes. The therapist was the one to break the silence between them. We have an experiment we'd like to perform. It's a long-term experiment, and it should potentially improve your emotional well-being as well. She whispered, maybe. Before emptying the bag onto D5761's bed, revealing a small journal and a black and purple Motorola razor. A flip phone? The D-Class asked while raising his eyebrow, obviously suspicious of the phone. Yes, Normally, we wouldn't even consider giving a D-Class a cellular phone. This phone's been set up to where it can't call out and can only send and receive text messages after being sent one in kind, at least until after this experiment. It has a micro SD card that contains an app software. We want you to install the program and then wait and observe what happens next. You're to note down when you receive a message and what the message entails if you get any. Please be as descriptive as possible, the researcher interrupted. The brown-haired subject slowly sat up from the floor and raised an eyebrow before reaching for the mobile phone. How is this supposed to help improve my mood? He couldn't help but ask a question that may or may not get answered. The therapist scratched the side of her cheek apologetically, and the researcher ushered the woman out before answering for her. You'll learn that during the experiment's starting process. Please go ahead and turn on the phone. No need to worry about the battery, and install the app from storage. D5761 watched the two of them leave and waited until the doors to his containment cell closed before letting out a relieved, yet annoyed sigh. All he wanted to do was relax, and now he had another experiment to take part in. This time, one that was in his own cell. Fantastic. The subject opened up the notebook and drew a Triforce symbol on the inner side of the cover, and returned his attention to the phone. 
The razor had a cracked screen where it usually showed the number of messages and the time on it. He opened the phone and saw the SCP symbol on the background. He went to the storage and opened up the program in question and blinked at the name of it. Mallow 1.0 Upon opening the program, a few things popped up. The main thing that stood out was the words Emotional Support App, followed by Thank You for Installing, before the phone restarted all of a sudden, making him tilt his head to the side as his green eyes lit up. Thinking Emotional Support App, is it something like a Neopet or a Digivice? Those kept me pretty occupied and happy growing up. Man, I miss those things. But as it restarted, he was unable to actually locate the app in question, or anything related to it. He frowned, cursing to himself. Fuck. Of course. This is the same phone I had before. Of course an app wouldn't go on it. They must have just wanted to give me hope and steal it away. He slumped down, leaning his upper body on his bed while burying his head in the blanket he'd been given, and relaxed. He sat there for about an hour when the phone suddenly vibrated. Turning his head, he noticed that it said one unread text message, making his eyes light up with curiosity. He snatched the phone up from the bed and opened it. He opened the message and tilted his head as it showed a bizarre number and said loading multimedia message. He stood up as he waited and began to pace around his room. When it finally loaded, he had to process what he saw. It was a pile of what looked like broken bricks and rubble surrounded by a forest. After a moment, he realized what it was. This is the remains of my house after it burned down, so nothing really survived, huh? His attention was drawn to a figure that was crouched down in the rubble. They appeared to be covered in soot and some rocks or maybe dust and were holding something up towards the camera. D5761 could barely make out their form as if the camera was obscuring them, but he could make out that they had incredibly long hair and seemingly wore a skull mask. He was unnerved for a moment, but then he noticed what they were holding and immediately started to reply to the message, hoping it would send. Um, hello. I don't know who this is, but that's where I grew up. Someone burned it down and that's, that's my locket. The figure had found the locket that his twin sister had given to him. She said it belonged to their mother, but he knew that was a lie. But despite this, it was important to him. That locket's important to me. Please take good care of it, okay? He sent it and closed the cell phone, not expecting to actually receive a reply to his text. For some reason, he didn't feel weirded out that someone had searched the scene of his worst memory. He was actually happy that someone had found something he had thought of as precious, even if it was incredibly odd that someone texted a phone that he had just obtained and knew where he had grown up. He had experienced crazy things at the Foundation after all, and honestly, it could have been a coincidence. He quickly started to write down in the notebook what the image consisted of and when. About three hours passed before the D-Class received another message, and repeating what he did last time, he opened up the second text message and tried to figure out where the picture had been taken. It took a moment, but he realized that it was in the forest behind his home. He recognized the tiny shed that was in the background and the small garden in front of it. The green beans grew pretty well. Maybe someone's taken over the garden. A weak smile formed on his face before he started to look for the figure from the previous message. It took him a moment, but he finally found them, oddly sitting on his favorite boulder. A tiny glimmer of gold was near their chest, and he couldn't help but let a relieved sigh escape his lips. They didn't just throw it away. He could see them a bit better now as well. They didn't just have long black hair. They seemed to be layered in what looked like fur. They looked to be fairly tall, but not so much more than an average person and within the skull mask, he could make out a glowing green color similar to his own eyes, maybe emerald or jade. 
D-5761 began to reply to them once more, a happier expression on his face, despite the bad memories that could be surfacing. This person took the time to message him after all. They deserved a reply. Oh, that's the forest behind the house. I love going for walks and planting vegetables back there by that shed. I keep my tools there. Should be unlocked if you need anything, unless whoever's been taking care of the garden locked it. You're sitting in my favorite spot, I think, if that's you. I'm glad you kept my locket. My name is... He stopped himself mid-message and looked up at the ceiling. What was his name again? That was something he hadn't been using in a long time, but he had been called a bunch of names lately, and he picked a few of them apart and sighed before continuing to text. Les, it's nice to meet you. What's your name if you don't mind sharing? He sent the text taking a deep breath to calm himself, after realizing he'd literally just taken from the insults he'd been hit with to come up with a name. He hoped they'd respond soon. Maybe they'd say hi. It wasn't 30 minutes this time before a response came back. He opened up the phone and saw that it was an image of the being, much closer, with their head tilted to the side. Upon closer investigation, he noticed that the form had some feminine features and blinked in surprise. He scrolled down on the image and saw a bit of text there. Well, most of it was symbols he didn't understand. But he noticed his name there, and then what might be copied words, no name, and he frowned. They were similar. He didn't remember his name, and possibly this person, no, woman. Maybe it was the same way as he was, and needed a name. I can't understand most of your reply, but I think you said you have no name. Would it be alright if I called you Pandora, then? If not, that's fine, especially if you aren't a woman, like I think you are, and sorry for assuming. He slipped into his usual responses for a second, cutting a word short and hitting send before he decided against responding. And almost instantly, another reply came. It was a repeated string of the name Pandora, and at the end of it was a happy symbol. Les couldn't help but smile at that, and programmed the number into the phone under the name Pandora without hesitation. Maybe this phone app would be good for emotional support. The messages stopped for a bit, and the images came every two or three hours after that. The prison cell he was kept in, followed by a lake that he remembered fishing with his dad at. They were visiting places he remembered, he didn't know why, but seeing the places he thought he never would again helped him get a bit of closure, knowing he could go there. He would occasionally send messages to them in response, explaining things, trying to start a conversation. And eventually he did start getting replies, but they started to just send emotes to him. Maybe there was a language barrier they needed to overcome to be friends fully. However, when the messages started to show the facility, he got excited and curious. When he finally got one of them in the cell with him, he was disappointed to learn that he couldn't see them. But then when he saw the next image, he was glad because they were, well, not modest. He ended up throwing a uniform in their direction, and after a few seconds, it disappeared. It took him off guard, but he accepted it, and then decided not to mention this fact in his notes. Sadly, this wouldn't last, because the experiment had run its course, and the researcher came back for the phone. He had it for about 88 hours, and apparently they didn't want any lasting effects to occur from long exposure to what they had revealed as SCP-1471 and SCP-1471-A. He had locked a few of the messages so they wouldn't get deleted when the space was full and hoped they'd give the phone back to him. He stalled them for as long as he could, one last message before they took it from him to go into storage. Talk to you later, I hope.
Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, join my Discord community, hire me on Fiverr, or help support me by becoming a patron for as little as $3 a month. Regardless of tier, all patrons get early access to every single episode. The links are in the description. I don't have the talent it takes to write a skip. All I do is read. Original authors make this podcast possible, so credit to the original author. Their link's in the description. Show them some love as well. Consider becoming a member of the SCP Wiki. Upvote their work and maybe write a skip of your own. Maybe I'll read it here someday. You never know if you never try. The content of this podcast and content relating to the SCP Foundation, including the SCP Foundation logo, is licensed under Creative Commons ShareLight 3.0, and all concepts originate from scpwiki.com and its authors. This recording, being derived from this content, is hereby also released under Creative Commons ShareLight 3.0. I'm Grigori Carpin from Simply Creative People, the podcast where we discuss GOIs, canons, and stories from the SCP Wiki, and we try to recommend things for all fans of the Wiki, new and old. Look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Visit the show page at anchor.fm slash simply-creative-people. Or follow us on Twitter at S-I-M-C-R-E-A-T. Hey there, this is DJ Skip, host of Foundation After Midnight Radio, coming to you from the only third shift broadcast for personnel, by personnel. Be sure to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts to not miss out on containment news and community announcements from within the Foundation.